Hello everyone and welcome to the Hungry Diplomat podcast. I know it has been a while. I know, I know, I know. It's been like three months since I put out an episode. Um, In my defense, life has been very weird recently. I mean, it has been for everyone. I'm not the only one. I've been moving house. I've been doing my masters. It's just been, oof, there's been a lot. And on top of that, I've had a lot of mental health problems alongside the whole world. So it's just been hard to be creative. It's been hard to find time for your hobbies and actually enjoy them when your mind isn't working. (laughs) Um, And you have this brain fog and it just feels as though it's never going to clear. And it's just, oh, it's just daunting. And it's just like, um, it's just there all the time it's just the cloud that's just there and it won't go away and that's what I've been feeling for a couple months now I mean I've dealt with anxiety pretty much all my life I mean most of the people I know have as well um and I've dealt with depression on and off but it's been probably the worst depression I've ever experienced these past few months um yeah it's been bad like I just I've been sad (laughs) I've been really sad and it's hard to it's hard to really fathom how just how it's taken a toll on me because I've I've never felt this way before for such a long time but essentially um when I first came out with this pod it was the beginning of quarantine you know at that time I was productive I think I've spoken about this before I was in LA with my family and my friends spent a lot of time with some childhood friends that every time I come to LA I only have like a brief period of time to see them and it's always very short but sweet and this time was great because I got to spend so much time with them and it was so much fun and we just you know we we just kind of wasted time and during that couple those three months that I was there it felt as though things were gonna end soon it didn't feel like corona would be following us until the later year um so I didn't I did not think we'd be where we are right now back in March but here we are um and you know at the time i was very proactive i was very keen on doing all the creative things that i'd been putting off in the name of home stuff and work and you know trying to find a job out of uni and like that was all the things that was, those are all the things that was i was focusing on last year and and it was there were they were excuses you know i just did, i was too nervous to start a pod but then when lockdown came around i was like fuck it let's do it i did it i was consistent made like four episodes consistently and then i stopped <laughs> and then that's why it's been 3 months since i've made an episode but i put a goal in my mind that i was going to do it soon and here i am doing it so i can i can say i'm very proud of myself Um, And before I get started on today's episode, I just want to say thank you so much to everyone who has messaged me about this because let me tell you, I never expected this. I never expected to have so many random strangers on the internet message me telling me they like how I sound and they like my content because I just never expected it. (laughs) I never thought that this would happen because, you know, obviously you go through a bunch of bouts of insecurity and you're like, oh, no one's going to like this. I'm going to just, I'm going to fail. But the way I started this was just like, fuck it. It's just for me. 
I enjoy researching things. I enjoy talking about them. And the fact that some people have gone out of their way to tell me that they're enjoying themselves, I, I can't even tell you how much I appreciate that. It's just something that I, I never thought would happen to me. So to those people, thank you so much. I, I don't even know how to thank you. That's how grateful I am because you really have lifted my spirits in a time when I've felt quite down. But I'm going to try my best to make it up to you guys and do some more episodes maybe twice a month because I've got I've got to study. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping to to do this more often because my life is kind of settled now that I've I've done move. I've done with my moving and, you know, I'm kind of in the thick of it with uni. So thank you again. Thank you so much. And without further ado, I am starting episode. What episode is this? What episode is this? Oh, five. Episode five. Episode five is all about... Cake, 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 cake. Cake. It's all about cake. So, like most of my episodes, I like to start with the origins of things. And, you know, as we have seen throughout my other episodes about sourdough the Egyptians come into play so they were kind of the first people who showed evidence of advanced baking skills and similar to I guess a bready dense texture those were the cakes back then it wasn't like icing cakes that we have today it was sort of like loaves with lots of nuts and fruits and they made them for different occasions so some of them were like religious rites of passage or nourishment for the afterlife so you know like in tombs and stuff they would give gifts to the to the to the um i was about to say zombies not the zombies <laughs> my brain isn't working um oh my god what is the word to the to the dead to the dead to the dead they would give gifts to the their tombs in the tombs <laughs> they would put gifts on their tombs I don't know what I'm trying to say anyways you know what I mean and they would put they would put cakes and gifts and everything in there and um there was loads of ancient civilizations who used to do this type of stuff um as a kind of gift to the gods or to ensure peace to the afterlife and to ensure that they would get a good harvest and it was just like all the gods that they would pray to they had a purpose and so they would give these offerings or they would make these cakes as sort of symbols of appreciation and so another group is the Greeks so the Greeks the Greek cakes were called um, placus so that means flat and they were kind of made with nuts and honey in a similar way of the Egyptians. Um, they weren't like traditional cakes, they, but they were round and they were adorned with candles to look like the moon. So some traditions with the Greeks were they would celebrate births of gods and the celebration of Artemis, who was the goddess of the moon and the hunt. So they would bake a round cake in her honor to symbolize the moon and then light it with the candle so it would glow like the moon and so you can see how something like that has a tradition like that has carried on to 2020 because we all do that now and round cakes are kind of I guess in a sense obviously they're round so they're cyclical and so that cyclical nature symbolizes a kind of a never-ending stream of of abundance and you know all that stuff all those wonderful little messages and the Chinese were the same. They offered round cakes to during harvest time to honor their moon goddess. 
And then similarly, Russians made bellinis, which were thin round cakes to pay respect to their gods. Ancient Celts rolled cakes down a hill to persuade the sun to keep on rotating. And this just killed me because it just feels like humans used to do such dumb shit because they didn't know anything. But you just, you have to respect it and you have to love them because imagine you're just, you know, you're just chilling. You're just a Celt kind of roaming and you're just looking up, you see this round yellow ball in the sky and it moves, you just, it moves in the sky and you're just kind of like, you know, this thing, it gives life. So we need to keep it going. And they were, they were like, okay, well, maybe we should roll some cakes down a hill to, to make sure it sees that we appreciate it. And that's what they did. And, and you can't be mad at that because how, how else would you persuade the sun? to keep rotating if not by rolling a cake down a hill and again romans same thing offers to gods and then they developed the method of adding yeast as a leavening agent to cake so they kind of started to change the game there um and when they invaded britain they brought that food culture um to the country and when they left, they took it with them. So you didn't really see cake culture in this country pop up until long afterwards. And that's kind of a shocker because there's such a huge cake culture in this country. I mean, there's a whole show dedicated to it, Bake Off. I mean, Bake Off is so globally renowned and everyone loves it. It's so wholesome and it's got this really quaint Britishness about it where it's just like, oh, we love to bake cakes and tea and blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't even really part of the culture until the 13th century so during this time in europe the germans um they had the celebration called kinderfest and so german kids would basically celebrate their birthdays by adding the number of candles that corresponded with their ages so they would have two candles for if they were turning two five or five and so on and um there, but it was a kind of a different custom, slightly different at least, but you'll see what one very common thing that we do today, why it's persisted for so long. So in the 13th century, um, and I don't know if they still do this, but it would be good to find out because that would be interesting. Um, German kids would light their candles and keep them lit the whole day. And every time a can the flame would die, they'd relight it. So at the end of the day, when all the candles had blown out, they would make a wish and they would they believed that the wish would get entrapped in the smoke and the smoke would go up to the heavens and their wish would come true. And also they weren't allowed to tell anyone or else it wouldn't come true. So we still do this to this day. I mean, I, most people have done this in their lifetimes, um, especially in the West. You blow out your candles, you make a wish, and you don't tell anyone. And in 14th century Britain, cake became a symbol of wealth. So the more you ate cake, the richer you probably were. And from then on, round cakes as a theme kind of persisted. By the 16th century, Italians started adding whipped eggs to batter so that yeast wasn't even necessary. So, you know, the Italians, they just came with the revolutionary tactics and in the 17th century icing became a popular thing so it was then that a common concoction that would become icing was sugar egg whites and flavorings and then they'd 
put it onto the cake, stick it back in the oven, and when it would come out, it'd be all nice and shiny and glossy. And that was kind of the first origins of icing cakes. And from then on, on the timeline, you can't really talk about cake without bringing up the French. The French have had a very, very interesting history with cakes. We all know that fake quote, let them eat cake. I even spoke about the supposed quote that she did say in my sourdough episode. Um, Mary Antoinette supposedly said, let them eat brioche, but even that's not true. Um, upon further research, it's speculated that a hundred years earlier, a princess or a queen in Spain said something along those lines and it got mixed up. Uh, yeah, so who knows who said what, but that phrase is so iconic because of the history in France at the time. But in terms of the influence French people have had on patisserie, it's just, it goes so far and so far over the globe. I mean, even in my culture in Iran, French patisserie has really, really impacted uh, patisserie, Iranian patisserie. Um, we've, my culture has taken the techniques, French techniques, but used flavorings such as rose water and saffron and pistachio and you know, all those beautiful little nice floral flavorings we use in our pastries. And I don't know, probably biased, but they have the best pastries. Anyways, back to French history. There was this cake. It's called La Galette. La Galette de Rats. So this cake is called the King's Cake. And it's this round, flaky almond cake that is sometimes, has fruit in it sometimes, but... Um, I don't know if that's tradition. However, um, I think it's like on the 6th of January or something. Every year on that day, bakeries all over the country serve this cake, the king cake. And they serve it with a plastic crown. And the reason for this, I am about to get into. So this is a way for French people to celebrate the epiphany of the arrival of the three, the three wise men in Bethlehem. And... The galette is cut in very specific slices, one for each person at the table, plus one extra for the first poor person passing by. Um, and this is basically one of the customs that goes along with the cake. There's actually a few. It's, it's, I don't know which one is more common. Um, there's one that says the youngest person goes under the table and announces who gets each slice because of their innocence and their lack of bias towards everyone at the table. The origins of this um, go back to Roman times uh, during the festival of Saturnalia. So this festival was to worship the Roman god for agriculture, which is Saturn. And um, the point of this custom was to switch roles between master and slave. Um, and the slave would be chosen, whoever got the slice with the gift in it. So this is like a charm or something. Um, they would be chosen as king for the day and they would have power over everyone. And they would, they would kind of order everyone, they would order people around and kind of, they would, they would just be king, right? So this, this was just to switch roles and give them a taste of power, I guess. And um, this, this custom found its way to France and during the famine in 1711, this, the cake, the galette de rat, was forbidden because flour had become so expensive, so it was only meant to be used for bread. Anything to do with riches and the bourgeoisie was just frowned upon, and, and the people were tired of it. They wanted to revolt, and, you know, obviously after, after the revolution, this 
was a big theme. Um, and it became, instead of the galette de de rat, it became the galette de l'égalité. So that means um, the galette of freedom, the cake of freedom. And that day, the 6th of January, I believe, instead of being the day of for the kings or whatever, it, be- it became the day of the sun culotte, which means, literally means without breeches. So, like, I guess that would mean trousers people without without things <laughs> without not literally like without trousers but without things um which was also just you know synonymous with the lower class so like it was just to symbolize the people that didn't have much and but this was only temporary in true french classist fashion and in 1801 the tradition of the galette de Rue was established officially and now to this day they have this custom every year to serve the cake with plastic crowns and if we go to the 19th century in this country of england we start to see the use of baking powder so this was during the rule of queen vic queen vicky she loved the victoria sponge and this cake is layered between sponges regular vanilla sponges with cream and fruits and she loved this cake so it became it was named after her and she was the reason why she loved it so much was she wasn't allowed sweets as a child so she ate all the sponge she wanted and she became notorious for being the largest queen and yeah that's that's why it's it's such a popular cake and um, this kind of advent of baking powder came just before a time um, of the industrial revolution so everything became easier to bake as ovens and all these different appliances were invented and everything became more accessible to everyone so having a cake wasn't synonymous with how rich you were it became more of an accessible thing to have um i'm not going to go into each country's history of cake because there is so much but one cake that i love so much is carrot cake and the history of this was super cool because arabic chefs use carrots as a sweetener in the 10th century um, and this became so popular during world war ii which was during a time when they had to ration and come up with creative uses of food and um, after the war in 1960 in the 1960s cream cheese frosting became a thing and that's when the americanization of different cakes came about so to find different things like pumpkin pie and chocolate cake and all these very yummy American gluttonous things that are so popularized today. Um, even things like red velvet came about during those times. And it was a actually really cool thing that I read that there were these old cookbooks that people found from slaves in America back in the day. I mean, most of the cooking and the customs that you find in that country are from slaves and immigrants and people not the colonizers <laughs> so the food historians that found them they were trying to replicate the recipes and they found that they had to adjust them because of the different sizes of eggs so for instance there would be like a recipe calling for like six eggs and that was because the eggs were much smaller back then so they would have to basically adjust the recipes to match what food actually looks like today even though it wasn't that long ago it has drastically changed but yeah, that's, that's basically all I have to say about cake. Um, thank you so much for coming back. I know it's been so long, but I promise I won't wait three months to make another episode. And without further ado, 
I am your hungry diplomat. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a lovely day or night wherever you are. Bye. Thank you.